listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Glad you're able to join us again for another episode of Let the Bible Speak. I count it a tremendous privilege to be able to bring the Word of God to you week by week, and I trust you're also finding it a benefit to your soul. Please feel free to get in touch with us and let us know if the program is a benefit to you. Our email address is malvernfpc at yahoo.com. And we'd certainly love to hear from you, and indeed we'd endeavour to get back in touch with you. One of the things that makes radio programming challenging is the lack of knowledge of those who are listening in. I realise that more than likely some of you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Saviour. There's nothing more important than having peace with God and your sins forgiven. There's nothing more important than having a certain hope of a home in heaven to be with the Lord forevermore and with his people. And so it is my burden from time to time to to bring a gospel message. And today I want to share with you a message from the Old Testament. There is only one gospel. Both Old and New Testament show us that salvation is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. When Christ spoke to the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, he showed them how the scriptures of the Old Testament testified of himself. He showed them from all the scriptures that he was indeed the promised Messiah and the only saviour of sinners. One of the ways that the Old Testament shows us Christ is in picture form in types and shadows. And today I want to speak to you about the subject of the tables of stone that were placed within the Ark of the Covenant. It is a wonderful picture of the person and work of Christ who came to save us from our sins. And it is my burden that as you would hear the word of God, that you would realise that you have a need, a tremendous need. You're a sinner, you're estranged from God, you're at enmity with God, but there is atonement and reconciliation found in Christ and in Christ alone. The message was originally preached at a prayer meeting because it is the gospel that encourages the people of God to pray. And so if you're a Christian today, I trust this will encourage you to get before the throne of grace. And if you don't know Christ... Uh, It is again my desire that you would come to reckon with your sin and close in with Christ today uh, before it is too late. Let me just pray and ask for God's blessing upon his word. Eternal God, our Father in heaven, uh, bless the word that we are going to consider today. Use it in the hearts of all who hear, that they be encouraged, and that those who do not know thee, that they be convicted of their sins and come to Christ today. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen. Well, let's turn together tonight in the Word to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus 25. Exodus 25. I want to read together from uh, the verse number 10. This is message number 3 on the subject of the Ark of the Covenant as we have it revealed for us here. In Exodus 25, we're going to just work our way through these verses and trust we'll see Christ in all the Scriptures. So Exodus 25 and the verse number 10. And they shall make an ark of shitting wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. 
and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof, and two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shitting wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, and they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And we'll end the reading there, and trust that God will bless his word uh, to your hearts tonight again for his name's sake. When we come to the subject of the tabernacle that God instituted for the people of God in the wilderness, we are seeing themes, types and shadows that teach us regarding the subject of communion with our Lord and Saviour, communion with God, even through the mediatorial work of Christ Jesus. You have in verse number 8 of this chapter, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And then verse number 22, And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. God is here condescending to meet with man. And man has the grace of God, providing him with the opportunity to meet with God. What glorious grace there is. And we understand from the rest of the Bible that this matter of communion with God is secured by the person and work of Christ. And so as we work our way from the types into the antitypes of the New Testament, those antitypes very much govern how we understand the types here in Exodus 25. We're not speculating, we're not allowing the types to uh, in some way uh, modify or truth that we see in the New Testament, rather. We are seeing these types explained in the New and as we see the new, so it, it just enhances our understanding of the old. And there are angles of approach that we see in the pictures that, that really bring the New Testament truths home to us. And so I hope you understand that's the approach that we take. We interpret these Old Testament types and shadows in light of the clear revelation in the New Testament. And tonight is no different. And so if communion with God is secured in the personal work of Christ, then it is not surprising that the precepts governing the place where God met with man, namely the ark, shows us Christ in every respect. The ark is the place where God meets with man. We understand that God meets with man through the work of Christ. That's the New Testament. And therefore, what should we expect to see in the ark? We should expect to see Christ in every detail. We should see him in his person and in his work. And we should be looking for Christ. You understand that when the Lord speaks to the men on the road to Emmaus and their hearts burn within them, I have, I have no doubt that part of that exposition of Christ was to show them that he was fulfilled in the ark picture of the old covenant. And so we've worked our way down through the structure and we spent the last two studies together looking at the matter of the construction. And that's in verse number 10 and following. And they shall make an ark of shitting woods. 
We looked at the materials, or looked at the measurements that are given for us in verse number 10. We looked at the materials, the shitting wood and the gold, the, what we term the theanthropic person of Christ, one person, two natures, united inseparably forever, yet not mixed or mingled. That's the classical statement of the person of Christ, and we see it here pictured in the ark. We saw the majesty of this ark with the crown of gold round about it in verse number 11, and we thought about the movement of the ark. That was the details in verse number 13 and following regarding the staves and the rings. And we saw last time lessons regarding pilgrimage, the presence of God, the power of God, the preeminence of Christ, and the permanence of our eternal rest. Those are things we've seen up to this point. And as I said earlier on, those messages will be available on Sermon Audio, I trust, in the next couple of days. And that leads us from the construction to your studies today, which are really the beginning of a, an exploration into the subject of the contents within the ark. You have that in verse number 16. And that really is our text for tonight. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. Verse 16, Exodus 25, And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. And so tonight, I want to begin in Exodus 25 and look at this matter of the testimony. The testimony placed in the ark. There you have it there, verse 16. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. Now here I'm going to take nothing for granted as we consider what is in view. I'm very aware that uh, those of you on this uh, prayer meeting call tonight, you're well-versed in the Scriptures. I understand that. Please do not be offended uh, by any simplicity in the teaching. Uh, but I trust it will be edifying as we consider it afresh even tonight. There are three things I want to uh, focus your minds upon. I want to think about the name that is given. I want to look at the history of the placing of these tables and then consider something re regarding their position. Okay, so the name, well, we're told in verse 16, it is simply, Thou shalt put into the ark the testimony. The testimony. And that word is very significant. It speaks of God's witness to man. That's the sense of the word. It is God's witness of proclamation. God is bearing witness and testimony to his revealed will. Now, we are not left to speculation as to what God expects of man. A postmodern society struggles to understand what is right and what is wrong. There is no need for such struggles. God has not left us to debate and conjecture as to what is moral and what is immoral. We understand it because God has left himself a witness. There's a testimony that has been given to us, and it's this testimony given at the time of the, uh, the Sinai and the Horeb time of the covenants. This testimony is then in chapter 26 is used as a title for the ark itself. Chapter 26, verse number 33, And thou shalt hang up the veil under the tashes, that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony. That's another title for the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, but also you're now the Ark of the Testimony. So important was the testimony to the matter of the teaching of this Ark that it has actually called this matter of the Ark of the Testimony. Now we know from 1 Kings 8 that this testimony refers to the tables of stone. We also know from Hebrews chapter 9, we read that verse, that the testimony is referred to as the tables of the covenant. Uh, this is what God expects 
of those who are brought into covenant relationship with himself, redeemed from Egypt, saved by the blood of a sacrificed lamb. They're brought into covenant. And here God is saying, this is my witness to this people. This is what God expects. Obedience of those who have been redeemed. Made of stone, written by the finger of God. Look at chapter 31 of Exodus. 31 verse 18. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. And similarly, chapter 32, and the verse number 15, And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hands. The tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other they were written. Now, we don't have to doubt or debate or discuss what was written on these tables. You go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And it says there in the verse number 22, These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick darkness, with a great voice, and he added no more, and he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. And what precedes is the second reading of the covenant, the Ten Commandments given at Horeb. That's from verse number six. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Tables of stone written by the very finger of God. Now we will all be aware that there are those within our time who suggest to us that the law of God is no longer an obligation for those who are saved by grace. We're not under the law, we're under grace. They often quote, referring to the book of Romans. I want to make it clear that the fact that these tables are written in stone speaks of their permanence. The Ten Commandments, the moral law, was always in place and will always be in place. The giving of the Ten Commandments was not the first giving of the law, as it were. It had been revealed to Adam and Eve. It was in their hearts, in their conscience. And this is simply God stating to redeem people, this is what I expect of you. I expect you to live as those who are image bearers of God. It's not the rules. It's not the rules of these moral laws which are abolished. Rather, it is the sacrificial ceremonies that are fulfilled and abolished when Christ dies on the cross. But these tables are the revelation of the character and the will of God, and they are as unchangeable as God himself. They cannot change, and they will not change. As God does not change, so these tables do not change in their obligation upon our hearts. This is God's witness, the name. Well, what about the history? Well, in chapter 25, we have directions given to place the testimony. But I'm sure from when you were in Sunday school, you knew the story of what happens when God gives Moses the first tables. And we have the details, Exodus 32 and the verse number 19. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, 
that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. This is the tables given by God, broken as Moses is enraged by the idolatry of the people. He's been away for a short time and immediately they've given themselves over to idolatry. Chapter 34, verse 1. Then the Lord says to Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. And if you turn across to Deuteronomy chapter 10, you see the story coming to a conclusion. Deuteronomy chapter 10, reading from the verse number 1. At that time the Lord said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and come up unto me into the mount, and make thee an ark of wood. And I will write on the tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest, and thou shalt put them in the ark. And I made an ark of shitting wood, and hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and went up into the mount, having the two tables in mine hand. And he wrote on the tables according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord spake unto you in the mount, out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly, and the Lord gave them unto me. And I turned myself, and came down from the mount, and put the tables in the ark which I had made, and there they be as the Lord commanded me. We have this matter of the new tables being formed, being written upon, and being placed within the ark. The second set, indicating the very simple fact that the law of God was broken. It's a picture. We're seeing here that this law, perfectly given from God as a faithful witness, is broken by man. That in itself is helpful when we come to think about the next matter. The name, the history, and finally, the position. This testimony was placed within the ark. We have noticed already the materials of the ark point to Christ's person. The shitting wood is incorruptible humanity, overlaid with gold, his glorious deity. And this God-man, within the God-man is placed the law of God. It makes us think immediately of the Psalm 40 and the verse number 8, where it says there, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within mine heart. This is a messianic psalm. It's quoted in Hebrews. And we know in Hebrews they quote the words of verse number 6, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. And in the Greek translation of Psalm 40, there are the words, A body thou hast prepared for me. And the sense of the language, the, uh, the, the picture language of Psalm 40 is indicating the fact that here we see in the incarnation of Christ a body prepared, the God-man coming, into whom is placed a law that he will keep perfectly. He is going to delight to do the will of God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. The incarnation of Christ, taking upon himself as the Son of God, a true human nature, involved the commitment to obey the law of God. That was his commitment. And so we see in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 and the verse number 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. And we know that Christ fulfills the law. Every jot and tittle fulfilled by his perfect obedience. 
So that Romans 10 verse 4, Christ is the end of the law, the completion of the law, the fulfillment of the law for all that believe in him. He completes, keeps the law on behalf of those who come to trust in him. This law is placed within the ark. It's placed, secondly, under the mercy seat. Back in Exodus 25, in the verse number 21, it's very explicit. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above, upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Here's a very explicit reference to the position of the testimony underneath the mercy seat. The mercy seat that would be sprinkled with blood. The mercy seat that the high priest would come before once a year on the day of atonement. Their blood would be sprinkled and their atonement would be made for the people. The high priest bringing the merits of sacrifice. Thereby securing atonement and forgiveness. Thereby God meeting with man. Oh, these are the great gospel truths that we, we know and we love. We love the, the glorious thought and the prospect that through bloodshed we can commune with God. What a prospect it is each time we come to the place of prayer. We know for certainty we follow a blood-sprinkled path. And we go by the way of blood to come to the throne of grace and plead. Plead for our needs upon Christ's merit. And so the placing of the testimony of the ark is a glorious visual display of the principles regarding justification. That's what we're seeing here. We're seeing in glorious technicolor. What is God's will for the justification of sinners? How can a sinner commune with God? Or more pertinently, how can God commune with a sinner? He can do so because he sent his son into the world. And his son came to obey the law in absolute perfection. The law within his heart, he fulfills it completely. And at the same time, not only does he keep the law, he pays the price for a broken law. His blood is shed. Atonement is made. The mercy seat. We'll see later on the mercy seat, the propitiatory, the place where God's wrath is appeased, his justice satisfied. We term this theologically. Justification occurs because of the active and the passive obedience of Christ. His active obedience, his keeping the law, his passive obedience, his suffering at the hands of sinners, and yet his suffering under the very wrath of his heavenly Father. Both are required to secure our communion. And when they are present, when there is active and passive obedience, there is communion with God. We cannot keep the law. We are not able to keep the law. We cannot pay the price for our own sins unless we spend all eternity in hell. And so, upon another's life, upon another's death, I stake my whole eternity. And we expect and we anticipate communion with God for all eternity because of the active and passive obedience of Christ. And so you think of the language of Romans chapter 5 and the the present truth that we enjoy. If this picture in Exodus 25 is a picture of God's will and justification, so in Romans chapter 5 we see the fruit, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If I could put that New Testament text in Old Testament terms, 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God because of the ark of the covenant and the tables of stone within the ark and the mercy seat above the ark, that mercy seat sprinkled with blood through all of this, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God, being justified by faith. Oh, these are simple gospel truths. But if we do not grasp them, we will never have confidence in the place of prayer. For the very next verse tells us, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We stand in grace today. We hope for glory tomorrow. Grace now whereby we enjoy communion. Glory tomorrow whereby we'll always enjoy communion. And so it is the work of Christ pictured in the Ark of the Covenant, pictured in the contents that points us forward to the glorious reality of the benefits of being justified by faith. And so we need to pray, don't we? There are sinners out there who are confused. They have this inner desire. They understand that they are made for something more than this world. But they cannot find peace. They cannot find satisfaction in this world. It thwarts them in every turn. They seek it in money. They seek it in politics. They seek it in pleasure. And time and time again, it thwarts and disappoints. And so it is our glorious privilege to point them to the Ark of the Covenant, to point them to the finished work of Christ, that all of those types and shadows are fulfilled. Christ has paid it all. All to him I owe. And may these gospel resounding truths encourage our souls tonight and enable us to pray with renewed vigour and zeal, renewed boldness, for we are told to come boldly to the throne of grace. That's where we must come, to find grace, to find help in every time of need. Amen. May God indeed bless and encourage your hearts through his word tonight. Well, thank you for listening. And you've heard the word of God as it points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about the gospel, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Once more, the email address is malvernfpc at yahoo.com. So please get in touch if you'd like to know more about the gospel, if you're anxious regarding your soul. And may the Lord indeed open your heart to receive Christ today. Lord Jesus, please take your word apply it in the heart of some dear soul that they before this day would come to a close they would know the tremendous joy of being reconciled to God bless your word in Jesus name Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.